Welcome to the Vacation Effect Podcast, where we discuss time and lifestyle hacks for the busy entrepreneur, helping you grow your business even faster by working less and having a lot more fun. Now, here's your host, Denise Gosnell. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Episode 8 of the Vacation Effect Podcast. This is your host, Denise Gosnell, and today I'm really excited to have my friend Melinda Whitstock on with us to share some self-promotion and media hacks. Melinda is the CEO and founder of Wings Media. She's a serial entrepreneur who's built four businesses to six, seven, and eight figures and is now building her fifth, the innovative podcast network and audience engagement platform through her company, Wings Media. As an acknowledged visionary in tech, media, mobile platforms, and social content, Melinda also hosts the fast-growing Wings of Inspired Business podcast and coaching platform. And she also helps business owners and entrepreneurs launch magnetic and profitable podcasts. Melinda is also on a mission to catalyze an ecosystem where women mentor each other, buy from each other, and invest in each other. Formerly an award-winning journalist and TV anchor for the BBC, ABC News, CNBC, Financial Times Television, and MSNBC, Melinda created and grew a BBC show to a 20 million audience and also innovated one of the first crowdsourcing mobile apps growing unique users to 3 million in eight months. Steve Jobs told her that she asked the best questions when she interviewed him as a 24-year-old correspondent with the Times of London. Melinda was also the CEO and founder of Verifeed, the social intelligence platform assuring a return on authenticity from social media engagement. Melinda is a practitioner of meditation, yoga, visualization, gratitude, and intention setting, and an avid traveler. Her travels have taken her to many exotic places, including Sir Richard Branson's Necker Island and the Amazon Rainforest. She's a loving mom to two teenagers and a golden retriever. She has spoken at South by Southwest, Google, Fidelity Investments, Underground Online Seminar, Pinnacle Global Network, and many more. I'm so excited to have you with us on the show today, Melinda. Welcome. Hey, happy to be here, Denise. Yeah, I'm really excited for us to be able to chat. Just for context, I know Melinda through a mastermind group that she and I are members of together called Maverick 1000. So we've been able to travel the world with each other and help each other collaborate in a lot of different ways. So it's been a lot of fun getting to know you, Melinda. Oh, I know, Denise, you too. And I think Maverick, what an interesting group it is as well, right? Because as entrepreneurs, we're, we're, I don't know, we're not like normal people. <laughs> That's so, so true. <laughs> we need to be we need to be around other people like us and 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 you know have some fun and let go and and uh, Maverick has been a wonderful group. I don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah, I've had so much fun with you and everybody else in the group. And you know, I think just that general idea of having a place to go as an entrepreneur, different mastermind groups have been such a game changer for my business. What about you? You know, I'm a oh, member absolutely. of multiple as I know you are. Yeah, I think of every big step that I've made in business and in life has involved either having great mentors, coaches, or masterminds, really all of the above. And I find that my my personal development budget just kind of increases. And as it does, my fortunes do too. So yeah, it's so interesting how that happens. Well, what I'm really excited to talk to you about today are all those questions I've always wanted to ask you, but we just haven't had a chance because we were always doing something else at the time. So um, I think you've got a lot of great nuggets to share with everybody today on, you know, media hacks and just, you know, business growth in general. I've watched you do some really cool things. So are you, are you ready for what I'm going to throw at you? I'm totally ready. <laughs> 
Okay, cool. Well, to start with, I would love to talk briefly about what it was like for you being an international news correspondent. You were with BBC, I believe it was, earlier in your media career. What was that like? Like, we see this on TV all the time. It's like, it seems so intense. What's it like? It is pretty intense. I mean, in the, in the context of the BBC, it was BBC World Television, and so there was always something going on in the world, some sort of tragedy or an election somewhere, or there was so much knowledge that you had to have because news would break all around you, and the teleprompter wouldn't necessarily be in, in, in sync with that. So you had to do a lot of ad-libbing to a massive audience. I think our audience was something like 200 million people. And, uh, you know, when there's war and lives at stake, you can't be wrong. And our media has evolved to the point now where truth seems optional. Um, Back in the day, it it wasn't. I mean, really a premium on really being right and, and being honest about reporting what you didn't know as much as what you did. And I found it, of course, exhilarating. I mean, I loved working for the BBC because as an anchor, you could actually, you were actually allowed to use your brain. And there's a lot of executive producer in me in that sense. I mean, I am an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm on my fifth business now. And I, I love that, the ability to kind of innovate on the content, be able to really dig deep in making sure that audiences had the most accurate information at their fingertips and had all the tools they needed to really participate in a democracy effectively. And so I look back on those days fondly. That's great. I mean, I'm sure it was very thrilling and intense at the same time. And you probably had no life at the time. Adrenaline rush. (laughs) I mean, I joke about it, actually. I did a stand-up comedy routine in 2019, like, like as one does, right? I ended up performing at Caroline's on Broadway. And a big part of my routine was joking about how I always used to get in trouble with the BBC pronunciation unit because <laughs> they actually, it was like Monty Python. I mean, they actually had the whole team. And, and if the shift changed while you're on air, like the edict on, on how to pronounce like a Bosnian name with no consonants, you know, would change. And so I was always in trouble with this BBC pronunciation unit. And if you can imagine also for being Canadian, because they'd say things like, for God's sake, it's vitamin, not vitamin. And <laughs> I, I, you know, it's tomato. God, tomato, really. And, and so I was always in trouble. And, and so it became really good comedy fodder as well. That's hilarious. Well, I'll bet you learned a lot of great things in those days that now helps you today as an online entrepreneur. Can you give us one or two examples of skills you learned there that you have been able to apply, you know, to being an online entrepreneur? Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of them are really analytic skills and being able to think really quickly on your feet and get things done you know, fast. I think in television, it's also about great teamwork. And I think as an entrepreneur, you need to be able to work well in a team and be able to, to lead. On television, there are so many different parts of the process that have to work seamlessly together, instantaneously. And if any one of them falls apart, the whole show, live television, can also fall apart. So learned a lot of things about what makes really great teamwork work and and leadership in that context, but also just being able to communicate effectively and to be able to do so really, really quickly. And I am a really quick thinker. I think in, in business now, because of that journalism experience, I go 
so much faster than most people I know. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, I've seen that <laughs> which myself. Can, which can be, <laughs> it can be hard on them and it can be frustrating for me. But I think, I, I, I think a lot of that is, is to do with you know, that, that broadcasting and journalism background. So before we jump into your top media hacks, you know, we were just talking about what you learned in your BBC days that translates into today. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now that you're most excited about just for context? Because I want to make sure that the listeners understand who you are in the media world and what you're up to before you drop some real nuggets on us. Wonderful. I'm busy building a unicorn. Um, it's my fifth business. It is. I mean, really, it is. It's, it's a podcasting network that's solving a lot of the major problems for both content creators, advertisers, and the listeners of podcasts. Right now, podcasters really struggle to make money from their content, and they're distributed on all these different platforms that don't give them any daylight into the data. Like, who's actually listening. So it's very hard to engage those people or know who your audience is and moreover, very difficult to monetize. So I've created a podcasting network and an audience engagement platform that allows podcasters to really know and grow and engage their audiences. Um, We're actually applying a lot of gamification tactics to the way people can join together around shared interest content to not only shape the content, but also share it, but also take a lot of challenges that involve learning or, you know, joining together to take action to really address the, the, the 17 UN global goals. We're an evolved enterprise company and we're doing a lot of kind of give forward in that sense. And for advertisers, it's a very important thing too, because it takes the guesswork out of, you know, deciding where to put their money. Right now in podcasting, you get your download numbers, but that doesn't really tell you anything about how many people are actually listening because most people stream now and it doesn't tell you anything about who's listening, which makes it like just guesswork for advertisers to know where to put their money. So even though advertisers are going to spend a billion dollars on podcasting next year, that's double what it was coming into 2020. It's still a drop in the digital advertising budget of, you know, 600 billion dollars, right? And yet podcasting is the fastest growing medium. So there's something broken there and we're fixing it. That's cool. And yeah, I mean, I just launched this podcast recently, as you know, and it's so hard to know, you know, what are people actually interacting with and what are they listening to? And the data just is very lacking. So I'm really excited to see what you're doing there and to, you know, possibly be one of your clients on it in the future. So. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's we're, we're the first and only network that will actually pay podcasters for their content. So. Oh, cool. What is the name of that network? Or for, for, you know, we'll, oh, my goodness. That's so funny. We're, I, wish, I wish I knew. We're, we're, right now, we're testing a whole bunch of different names. So the name of my company is Winged Media, but the network is not going to be called that. I mean, we're, we're looking for a really exciting name. And Denise, you know this as a lawyer and someone is, you know, when you're looking at kind of copyright and trademarks and, and, and all kinds of things, it's got to be a big enough name and the right name. And uh, so we're hard at work on that right now, but we'll know pretty soon. Cool. Well, um, at the end, I'll have you give everyone the link for where they can find out more about it. But I totally get you're doing your due diligence on coming up with the right name. But it sounds super exciting. And speaking of Wings Media, could you just uh, briefly tell us about your Wings podcast and that aspect that helps women entrepreneurs? Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I found my 
love of media in the podcasting realm, right? So like my entrepreneurial career has been all media, tech, social data analytics, you know, AI driven audience intelligence, you know, these sorts of things. And way back, I, I, I was running my fourth company, Verifeed, and it had been frustrating as a female entrepreneur to raise capital for businesses. In fact, women entrepreneurs only get 2% of the available venture capital for, for like qualified businesses. And this had always chafed. And I was also just really interested in affirming and acclaiming the journeys of female entrepreneurs because it was like we were succeeding in silence. And I literally wanted to change the face of female entrepreneurship. I mean, based on my, my own experience, I wanted the podcast I wish I'd had when I was innovating and, and you know, creating companies and building companies and scaling companies and that sort of thing. And so I launched Wings two years ago. It's now almost 500 episodes in. We have about a million listeners now. It's incredible. I've managed to find four different revenue streams for it. And I love it. I feel like it's, you know, we were talking at the beginning of the conversation about masterminds and mentors. And I feel like I have my own personal mastermind <laughs> with all the amazing women that I interview, you know, all of them with like seven, eight or nine figure businesses. And in some cases, unicorn businesses like Kara Golden from Hint Water, you know, and, and, you know, Tina Sharkey, I mean, amazing investors and women doing incredible things in the world. And I, I think when we really learn from each other and collaborate with each other, we're capable of incredible things. So it's been wonderful to have as many as 500 women so far, all who have seven, eight and nine figure businesses. Think about that. Like, that's amazing that that's, that's true. Most people don't even know that, that, that there are that many amazing female entrepreneurs out there. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, and with your background building this podcasting network and, you know, the with wings with your podcast and helping women and then also just your diverse background from the international media that you started out in earlier in your career. I'm wondering if you can share a couple of your favorite media hacks that you've learned over the years and self-promotion because like you've started multiple companies over the years, sometimes with, you know, less revenue and sometimes with more revenue. So it's like you've had to learn to self-promote, right? And you grew up in that world. So what do you do to self-promote? What are a couple of great hacks you could share there? Well, there are a lot of good ones. And one of them is something that we're doing right now, which is podcasting. I mean, I'm obviously a big advocate for that, being a guest on as many podcasts as possible, but making sure that those podcasts have the audience that you want to reach. Podcasting I love because it's very intimate. It's a conversation and to the listener, it feels like you're a fly on the wall and you're, you're part of this conversation. And you can listen anywhere, like at any time. You could be out jogging or in the car or, or, or whatever or asking Alexa you know, to play a podcast. And it, it has this wonderful no-like trust that allows you to attract your ideal customers. And I love it too, because it's, a, it's an opportunity to be really authentic, which is my second point for someone who created an algorithm called return on authenticity. I'm always gonna <laughs> talk about the necessity in marketing to be authentic, whatever platform you are on. You know, whether you're doing IGTV or Instagram, or you're on Facebook, or you're creating a community, or anything like that. You're going to, again, get more of that no like trust and also credibility by being true to yourself and really walking your talk over time. And by authenticity, I don't mean like hanging out all the dirty linen. 
I mean, just being in alignment with your, your, your purpose and walking your talk, being consistent and being open, being, you know, transparent enough, but also very helpful to other people. So a wonderful way to, to really build your credibility is through what I call earned media. And that is where you persuade a journalist on, you know, a magazine, say if you're an entrepreneur, entrepreneur magazine is a good target or, or, you know, it could be Bloomberg, it could be anywhere. Or if you're in the fashion business, obviously you want to be in Vogue or something like that, right? Newspapers, all of that, television. These are old media, but they carry tremendous credibility and earned media is free. And there's a really critical mechanism for how you make this happen for yourself. And I'll tell it from the perspective of a journalist. A journalist needs constant, constant content. And if you can do a favor for a journalist, if you can be helpful to a journalist, if you can be understand and empathetic to what that journalist needs and wants, and you understand their audience and what they're looking for, and you can pitch a story to them that's going to be advantageous for their audience, you will get a lot of free earned publicity that gives you so much more kudos when you then repurpose it and put it on social media and all the other platforms. But I would say the, the best media hack is being relevant on as many platforms as possible, not necessarily all at once, but just building them bit by bit, being authentic and knowing your audience, not only who you want to talk to, but where they are and always adding value to the conversation. Great. Thank you for summarizing those nuggets. So I'd like to clarify, you were just talking about, you know, was podcasting of those that you were just talking about the, the best place for somebody to get started with self-promotion if they don't even know where to start? Did they jump right into earned media or is podcasting a better place to start? Well, I think all of them are good. And, and the same rules apply to all of these things, right? Like if you're coming on someone's podcast, you're going to want to know, you know, who their audience is and how to be relevant and add value, you know, to their audience. And so really understanding, you know, who are the podcasters out there that are relevant. I mean, it really depends. Everybody's different. It depends on why you want this media attention. You know, are you using it for lead generation? Are you like, what is your why? Are you selling a book? Are you like, what are you doing? Right? So that's the first thing is really know your why. Make sure that you're on podcasts and in publications that serve the audience that you're targeting. So that would be the first rule. It really depends, Denise. I wish there was a one-size-fits-all, but everybody has different business models. Everybody has slightly different audiences, you know, and different things will work for different people because of that. True. Well, I suspect there's also different personality types. Like me, I'm better on audio and the written word than I am on video, as an example. So I'm not going to be the best person on TV necessarily. So, you know, I, I could get to that maybe, but... It's, and I've been on TV before, but it's not my natural style. I forget to smile and all that stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I think that's a good point. Right. It's really important to do something that you feel comfortable with, that you're going to be your very best self at. And all these things are learned. I remember, you know, I, I do increasingly now a lot of speaking. 
And I find that when I speak, I'm much more likely to close sales. And, you know, it really, it really helps. So that's a really good one. Um, whether it's speak to sell or whether I'm being paid to speak, I really enjoy that. But I used to be terrified of that when I, it, which was odd to think a TV news anchor would be scared of speaking. The difference was that when I was speaking, I was looking at real people instead of looking at a camera. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. it kind of freaked me out. I was like actually quite scared of it, you know, to begin with. But you can find ways to get good at anything if you practice it enough. But you need to know what's going to be strategically important to your business. And you need to evaluate it like anything, like test things, check out the data, see what's working for you, what's not. But really, I, I, I would just say that it's not a one size fits all. Right. That's fair. And and that makes sense what you're saying. And one of the things I wanted to emphasize, because I know this from personal experience, is that it's so critical, like Melinda was saying, to make sure that the podcast or whatever media outlet you're going to be on is actually the right audience. Otherwise, you're just wasting everyone's time, including your own and the audience. Like I was booked on some podcasts early on that turned out not to be the, the right audience. I had a publicist that was doing that for me. And it, I'm like, why did you get me on this show? Like, it's, it's not even my audience. I don't, it's not going to resonate with them. So that's an example of what you're talking about. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Do you mind if I switch gears on you and um, go a little bit different direction here? Um, you know, this is something that you and I have talked about before. Um, how do you know when it's time to let go of a business and walk away? Like you've had a lot of different companies over the years. And then there, I know there have been times that some of them, you know, you decided to walk away because it wasn't serving you. How do you decide that? That's not an easy decision. Oh, that's a really difficult one, right? And it's kind of like the same thing as how do you know the difference between a gut feeling and your intuition or a limiting belief like a fear? <laughs> mm -hmm, right? Yeah. It, can be, it can be hard to know the difference. And, and, you know, in the startup world, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of advice that you get, which is just to keep going, persevere. You know, it's good to feel uncomfortable. Growth comes when you're out of your comfort zone and all these sorts of things. And, and all of those things are true. And then you can also be toiling at something that is not in alignment with your true purpose. And I think having done a number of businesses now, there have been some that have been really easy. They just are in flow. Like the right people show up at the right time. It's easy to attract the right team members. Opportunities are there like the instant you think of them and everything just flows and it's fun, right? I've been grateful to have those kinds of businesses. The current one is like that. And then there have been others that have been like pushing a boulder up a mountain. Oh my God, for like every two steps forward, there's like some kick in the teeth. <laughs> there's something that goes wrong. And you know, you're, you're an entrepreneur, so you're resilient. So you like lean in and you, you keep going, right? And I've done that. And I've done that in a couple of instances where I've done that too long right? And it's tricky because if you're the type of entrepreneur that is innovating something or you're creating something out of whole cloth that has never been done before, which is kind of my style of entrepreneurship, you can have a great idea. You can have great technology. You can be like a just doing something really amazing, but you can be too early. And that's the most painful one of all for me. I, I, I had an amazing business where I remember I was raising money for it. It was 2011. It was called News It. 
and it was the first ever crowdsourcing app you know, on the iPhone that was actually, it was actually solving the fake news problem, like in 2011, before there was one. We, we had unsupervised machine learning algorithms and pattern recognition and natural language processing that was taking in all this crowdsourced content and sifting it for relevance and reliability. And I was talking to the CTO of Intel a couple of weeks ago, who said, oh my God, Melinda, that would be hard to do now. And what, you were doing that in 2011? And I was like, yep. And back in 2011, I had about 500,000 users on this app because we were also innovating the mobile UI. Like we were doing a lot of really innovative things all at once. And I remember, you know, presenting this to a VC in New York who said to me, hey, Melinda, this is great. What a great idea. Someone's going to do this. I'm like, what do you mean? Something I, like, I am doing it. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, looking behind me, like, who? Who's going to do it? I, I am doing it. And after a little bit of questioning, he finally just said to me, well, look, you don't fit our pattern. So what do you mean I don't fit the pattern? And as I was leaving, I was like walking down the street in New York thinking, let's see, I didn't drop out of Stanford or Harvard or MIT. And let's see, I, I'm not wearing a hoodie. I don't have a garage, so I didn't invent anything in my garage. Um, let's see. Oh, yes, right. I'm missing like a really critical body part, right? But the lesson in it, as I, I learned, you know, was the timing was off because I would do investor pitches and they'd say, what makes you think people are going to do user-generated content? And I'd be like, well, but like they are, and I'd have some data to support, right? But it was 2011. It was like... It, it, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it's eons ago in the technology world. And then they'd say, well, that's great, but so what, what makes you think mobile's going to be big? And I'd have a whole bunch of stats to back up why I thought mobile was going to like be the thing, which obviously it is. And then they'd say, okay, well, if, even if those two things are true, what makes you think that you will have the capacity to store all this user-generated content you're going you're gonna to generate and you're generating already? And I'd say, well, there's this new thing called the cloud, okay? But you can see that I, <laughs> you can see that I was like innovating like almost at the bleeding edge on like three different things at the same time, which in an investor's mind was like, oh my God, that's so much risk. And when are you going to make money on this thing again? And so there was a certain point where I had to admit to myself in that context, like, oh man, I'm just too early. Like, I'm just too early. And so many of those things actually inform so much of what I'm doing right now in the podcasting network, because the other thing music was doing was gamification of content, right? And it's interesting when you look back on your companies and you think, oh yeah, okay, so even if that one didn't hit, it was an amazing learning experience and it was my lab. <laughs> I guess right. what I'm doing now, but I'm sorry. This is a very long-winded answer, and I'm very passionate about this topic because it can be hard to know, like what's really in alignment with your soul purpose. You know, your S O U L purpose. What you're really here in an Earth suit to be doing right now, and and a good test is if it's really a grind, and if like for every step forward you get kicked in the teeth, you know, it may just be out of alignment, and and it doesn't make you a bad person. There's so much to learn, like the, the, the biggest lessons, I think, and the biggest growth comes from failing. And that's part of entrepreneurship. It's, like, it's a great part of it, actually. We just have to learn not to take it personally, because it's not personal. It's really hard. <laughs> right. And, you know? So um, anyway, I'm that kind of crazy moonshot type entrepreneur, so I make it harder on myself. 
Yeah, but I think it's it's so important to talk that we talked about that. And thank you for giving that context because, you know, it's not, I don't think the, the failure and the learning when to walk away, I don't think that topic is talked about enough. Like so many people stay a slave to their mission because they believe in it and it really is good stuff. But like you said, the timing can be off or there can be a number of other factors where just something is off and it always feels like a grind. It always feels like pushing the boulder up the mountain. Yeah. Like, like yeah. when I think of my friend, Julie Wainwright, who's the CEO of The Real Real, well, she was also the CEO of Pets.com. And you know what happened to that? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so the, the whole market can collapse or there can be something. I mean, there, there are so many things beyond our control. But here's the thing. It's like learning not to take it personally. Exactly. And like you said, it's data. It's just data about what to do differently next time. But it feels personally <laughs> because we've invented something. Yeah, that's so true. Well, what do you do to stay sane in this crazy, busy world of entrepreneurship we've been talking about? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, God, how long do you have? Well, um, you know, I, I, I find that really at the end of the day, it's all about what's in your head and your heart. Like it's a head game. So for women, I think for everybody, self-care, it sounds like radical self-care is vital. And that's why like your whole message, Denise, about the vacation effect resonates so deeply with me. In fact, the more that I do that and put these practices into my life, like meditation, taking time for myself, having really strict boundaries about when I'm working and when I'm not working, the more I prioritize and I do only the high leverage activities and I find I get more done, the less I do. I mean, it's a really weird counterintuitive thing, but very, very true. And I think as my meditation practice has gotten more sophisticated, I get more and more what I call divine downloads, just like literally just inspirations. And I've gotten very good and consistent on acting on those inspirations. And sometimes I don't even understand them. It's kind of like, hey, Melinda, go to the mall. What do you mean go to the mall? You know? Mm-hmm. And then you end up meeting somebody that's <laughs> <Right. laughs> like an investor or something. I mean, seriously, like things like that can happen. Absolutely. Um, the other thing, too, is just figuring out how to stay present, like be in the present moment, not in the past, not in the future, but really in the present. And for that, I, I'm a big dog lover. And I have my third golden retriever now by my side, Augie, who's eight months old. And I mean, I have my best thinking when I'm out walking in the woods with Augie, just like Josie and Pundit before. So like really staying in that now moment is very, very important. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's, you know, totally in alignment with, you know, what I stumbled onto when I just reduced my work schedule. I'm like, you know what? Enough is enough. If I can't figure out how to get it done, then it's not important enough to do. And if, by forcing my workaholic self to not not work 80 hours a week anymore and say, all right, you got to get it done and, you know, three or four days or less, or it's just not going to happen. It was amazing how I still figured out how to get as much done as I did before and cut out all the stuff that was just a time waster and that didn't even matter and wasn't doing anything. So what you're saying is so true. It, it, it's really true. And you know what's really funny? I remember a couple of weeks ago, I learned this lesson all over again. I had this list of sort of priorities, right? And for whatever reason, I was working on priorities two, three, four, five, and six, and none of them were moving. And then I kind of thought, wait, this is weird. Why am I not working on priority number one? Like, what's the block there? So I just like, okay, I'm just going to work on priority one. The minute I worked on priority one, two, three, four, five, and six all resolved themselves. Like, without <laughs> my involvement. I mean... <laughs> so funny. That happens so often. Yeah. 
It's so cool that that's the case. But and, and you were talking about meditation and the impact that it's had on your life. I encourage you and everyone else listening to check out episode six on the interview I did with Zen master Jason Campbell. He has some Zen wellness centers and is a meditation master and just an amazing guy. It was a great, great interview on meditation. Even if you're an advanced meditator, you will love that interview. And if you're a beginner, he demystifies it in a way that you'll like, you'll, you'll love it forever. So Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely going to listen to that one. Yeah. Um, I just think it's, it's, it's revolutionary. I mean, I think that and, and also like breath work and yeah, visualizing anything that keeps you in the present moment. I think that's where the power is really, you know, your personal power. That's so very true. And it's, it's easier said than done. That's, I, in the past, I was really bad at that. And I've finally understood what you're saying and, you know, have started doing it in the last four or five years better after my house fire. I finally figured out that, that what, all that we have is now. There's no promise of tomorrow. So such a great lesson. Well, Melinda, what questions should I be asking you that I haven't asked you yet about self-promotion or staying sane as a busy entrepreneur? Oh my goodness. I don't know. I think we've covered a lot of ground. I mean, I, I think really it, it all boils down to me. Your success as an entrepreneur is going to be doing the thing and really knowing yourself well and doing the thing that brings you joy that you were meant here to do, being in alignment with your purpose and looking after yourself and doing things like meditation, all these sorts of things, so you can stay connected with that. Because if, if you're in that mode, you're going to be much more likely to attract the right type of opportunities, get the exact inspirations, meet the exact right people, find the exact right clients, and on and on and on. They're going to make your business a lot more successful, but it's also going to make you a much better communicator because... When you're creating in joy and when you're really, really happy about what you're doing and you have a mission and a purpose that you just can't not talk about because you're so excited about sharing with the world, it's infectious. And when you're creating value for other people, like when you're doing it, not just to like, oh, okay, I'm going to create a company, I'm going to flip it, I'm going to make a lot of money and like buy. That's not exactly exciting for other people, but when you're creating something that solves other people's problems, like demonstrably, and you are, you're empathetic to their needs and you're a good listener and you're creative about solving problems for other people, all of those things combined make it much easier to promote yourself mm -hmm. <laughs> because, because you're intriguing to other people. You're doing something good for the world, you know, and you're in alignment. You have a joy and a flow about you and, and um, it's attractive. And I, I think that's really a big part of having a good story to tell. It's magnetic. And so it's, you're much more likely to attract really interesting opportunities for earned media to be a podcast guest, you know, all these sorts of things. But it, and it just comes back to then being your authentic self, creating value for other people, be they audiences, journalists, podcasters, you know, social media platforms, whatever, and you'll be rewarded for doing that. Yeah, I think, I think that's great. And, and it really summarizes everything you've been talking about here together. And, you know, the, the, the hacks that you shared, I think are, 
you know, so valuable to, and in, 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 in some ways, people are overlooking how simple they can be. And you, you just know, because you come from that world that it's not as hard as everybody thinks to be in the media, you just have to know the angle that adding value to that audience and what that audience is looking for, and then meeting them where they are. Exactly. Like I, I think back on my days as a correspondent on the Times of London, I was a business correspondent there when I was 22. And then I was their media correspondent when I was a columnist. And I remember when people called me and they actually understood enough about my context and the type of story that I wrote and what I was interested in and what I was looking for and gave me some breadcrumbs or gave me like a good story angle or, or something. Gosh, I was just so grateful because like <laughs> journalists need great content, right? However, when someone called me up like at six o'clock in the evening when I was on deadline to ask me to attend a press conference a month from now, like uh, they, they might get know. the phone hung up on that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> they didn't understand you. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, like, I mean, you're, you're on deadline. You're in the middle of, like, writing 800 words in five minutes, you know, right. so, right? So just really understand the context <laughs> Great point. of the person that you're pitching, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And you had mentioned earlier about that podcast network and Wings. Where can people get more information from you and what can they find there? Absolutely. So if, if for anyone who's interested in the podcast network, we're in beta right now. And the easiest thing to do is just email me. You can catch me at Melinda at wingspodcast.com. And then if you're interested in launching a podcast, I work with business owners and entrepreneurs to create profitable podcasts for them. And we get an amazing podcast done and completed within 12 weeks um, with a full monetization and engagement strategy that aligns with your business and aligns with your lifestyle. And I've got a whole bunch of these launching with great entrepreneurs in the first quarter of this year. And I'm, I'm super excited about it. If you want to find out more about that, I have a little bit.ly link. You can go to bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y slash podcast hyphen intensive. And of course, you can also track me down on social media, Melinda Whitstock 2020 on Instagram, Melinda Whitstock on Facebook, or I am Melinda Whitstock on the public figure page. And of course, you can listen to Wings of Inspired Business. You can go to wingspodcast.com, or if you listen on iTunes, wingspodcast.com slash iTunes, and subscribe, listen, join our community on Facebook, and uh there's, there's lots of places to find me. Cool. Well, thanks for all those great resources. And I've so enjoyed having you on today. Thank you for sharing all the nuggets with us today, Melinda. Oh, well, thank you, Denise. It's just a pleasure to be on. And I'm so happy that you have a podcast. Yeah, I remember telling you how I didn't see myself ever doing a podcast. And then I came out of the event. And I'm like, I'm doing a podcast. Will you be one of my first guests? <laughs> it's so funny how, how I was brainwashed after I saw the value. I'm like, oh, I have to do this. Just makes sense. Yeah. You have, it's so much fun and you develop such great relationships. There's a dharma about it, you know, and there's so much learning and there's also money to be made from it. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to talking to you more about your podcast network. And so remember everyone, freedom is a mindset, not a destination until next time. Thanks so much for listening. For more information about The Vacation Effect or for details on today's show, head over to our website at vacationeffect.com. 
If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.